Amen, amen, amen. Great to be back at Jesus Church. Man, I'm so thankful to be with all of you. And um, over the years, you've become friends, and we're so thankful that uh, we have friends in this house and uh, kind of felt like I was coming home. Amen. I felt like I was walking into a, a familiar place. Amen, amen, amen. Well, we're going to go into the word of the Lord tonight, and uh, I've got to cover the Bible like two and a half times tonight, so we better get started. Um, thank you, Pastor Kimmis, and um, uh, I don't know what to call Brother Brown anymore, uh, Bishop Missionary, Bishop Airy. Uh, thank you for, for letting me be here, and uh, I've already seen several disappointed faces that I didn't bring my wife with me. Um, she's recently taken a church, and she's pastoring, so, um, <laughs> and um, I just try not to mess up what she gets done in the Holy Ghost when I get back home, but Levi is with me, and uh, I gave him a picture, a little update picture of our family. You don't have it? Okay, it didn't come through. All right, well, now I'm disappointed. But, uh, uh, of course, we've, I don't know if, I don't think our youngest has made it here yet, Jackson. He's, I don't know, like 15 or 16 months. You know, he's supposed to count in months, and I can't count past 10. So, he's like 14 or 15 months or something like that. And uh, he's the, uh, sort of the terrorist in the family. And uh, everybody, all of my family was upset when we had Levi because he's a tender-hearted obedient child and they were frustrated that I was so blessed and fortunate to have a child that is obedient like he is because I didn't know the word obedient I still don't know the word obedient and uh, they were hoping I was going to reap what I sowed as a child and with Jackson I'm reaping what I sowed and uh, if you don't know we are expecting another child and I tried to get her to send a a, a belly selfie so we could give the update but she didn't want to do that so but you can believe us she's pregnant and uh, um, coming soon in August and uh, so we're going to have a circus and and we got a dog too so we thought our lives are so boring we need to spice it up a little bit so we got a little dog but we're thankful to be here with all of you and um, I'm good to be with brother David Jennings my buddy from Texas Amen. He's he's from a different side of Texas, though. Austin and uh, we're the east side of Texas, it's, it's, it's a little bit different. Uh, he's got the good Cajun food over there. and um, But I love Brother Jennings. And uh, we, we ran into each other just a few weeks ago at the airport, literally run, ran <laughs> into each other. And you don't want to run into him. He'll, he'll, <laughs> he'll just bulldoze you right over. He's like a linebacker. And uh, but ran into them. And we were... Uh, in February, we were in Norway together doing a conference, and uh, Norway uh, is very much like South Dakota, very cold and frigid, and uh, so, I don't know, the Lord's calling us to the cold areas and geography, but, but I'm glad to see that he's finally accepted his call to South Dakota, and I just hope he stays in, in Jesus' name, <laughs> and he's expecting, his wife is just like two or three weeks away from the due date of their second child. And uh, so I hope she doesn't go into labor while you're here in Jesus' name. And um, amen, amen. 
Well, how many of you are ready for the word of the Lord tonight? I've already begun my timer, and uh, so I guess I better get started. I want to begin reading in the book of Mark chapter 8. Now, just give a preface and a warning. I don't have a sermon tonight. Um, I'm just going to flow in the Holy Ghost with where I feel to go, and um, there are several things that the Lord impressed upon me over the last probably week or so that I've spent in focused prayer for this specific Wednesday night service, and uh, I've prayed for the hyphen conference coming up, but you know, I really ask God to give me a specific direction and word uh, for this church and congregation tonight. This church means a lot to my wife and I. It's not just uh, another church kind of on the calendar. Uh, we don't really we don't travel as much anymore. So, and especially on this week being Pentecost Sunday week, and and uh, the fact that we just planted a church, and this is our first Pentecost Sunday, and I'm missing our Pentecost Sunday to be with Jesus Church. I would not have done that for any other church. If it had been any other church, I would have called and canceled and said, I'm not coming. I don't care if it's the Pope in Rome. I would have canceled him. But because it was Jesus Church, I said, I got to come to Jesus Church. And so I had to kind of, you know, uh, explain to our church why I'm going to be gone on our first Pentecost Sunday together. Um, But it's going to be all right. As I said, my wife holds down the fort there. But I did pray specifically for this Wednesday night, and I I felt the Lord give me a few different things. And uh, I don't have a fancy title. I don't have, you know, uh, alliterations and cool anecdotes. Just have a direction in the Spirit to follow. And I know this church is accustomed to being led by the Spirit, so I'm not nervous in that regard. In Mark chapter 8 and verse 34 The Bible says, and when Jesus, when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever will, everybody say whosoever, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake in the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? For, or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever, therefore, shall be ashamed of me, And of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Amen. I'm going to just to give some sort of context here of what we're talking about. um, It's a very broad concept, but I'm going to talk to us tonight about apostolic alignment. Amen apostolic alignment. I was reading a book today on our first flight and uh, written by a man who is not a part of the United Pentecostal Church. In fact, I, I hate, I'm not even going to say his name because I didn't study his background and I don't know exactly who he's with, um, but his book is about uh, walking and operating in what he calls the apostolic 
And um, he writes this entire book about the importance of the apostolic calling, the apostolic anointing, the apostolic doctrine, the apostolic demonstration. And I know I'm preaching to a group here tonight that believes in the apostolic and everybody said amen. And what I I, I love, I I wanted to read like I, I got through five chapters and I was like trying to pick out a couple of pieces and I wanted to just read. I just wanted to get up here and just read all five chapters because you know, it's easy for somebody that is licensed with an apostolic organization to say we need to be apostolic. It's easy for, for somebody like me or your pastor, your bishop or whoever to get up here and say we need to be apostolic. But for somebody that, that doesn't walk with us, somebody that really doesn't, and according to some of the things I read, doesn't have the, the, the full revelation of truth according to the scripture and the word of God, he uh, there's some things that he doesn't line up with with theological truth, yet he, he said throughout his book that the only way we are going to see an end-time harvest, and he quotes scripture almost every paragraph, he says that this end-time harvest is going to be seven times greater than the former harvest, that the latter rain shall be greater than the former rain, and, and uh, he, he says the only way that this is going to happen is is when the church rises to the occasion of apostolic anointing one of the things that I highlighted he says the apostolic prepares and opens the way for the prophetic and the prophetic in turn prepares and opens the way for the teaching One proceeds and paves the way for the next. Each gift in ministry is designed by God in this way to open the way for the other to follow. Each territory needs all three operating in order to establish God's purposes in that region. Amen. And I know that I'm speaking to a church that has a a regional view, if not a world view of this end time harvest. Can somebody say amen? Amen. That, that this church is, is not just about us four and no more. And this church is not just about Jesus Church in Watertown, but I know that this church is endeavoring through prayer, through fasting, through giving, and through going to reach every region throughout South Dakota. And this man, again, who does not hold license with the United Pentecostal Church says, in order for us to take other territories and regions, we must have apostolic anointing. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. Apostolic alignment. In Ephesians, and I didn't give this verse to them, but you don't have to pull it up. It's a very well-known verse. In Ephesians 2, 19 says that you're there no, uh, therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And you're a built upon, in verse 20, the foundation of the apostles. Everybody say Apostles. And prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. If you go to Romans chapter 10 and many other verses throughout the New Testament, um, you, you, you find, and, and I've preached this here, and I know it's been preached here many times, that 
oftentimes you find in the New Testament that the word sent in the English is the word apostelos in the Greek where we would get the term apostolic. There's a similar Greek term found in Ephesians 2 and 20 when it says we are built upon the foundation of the apostles. So to be sent is in the Greek apostelos, but the term for apostle is apostolos. It's very similar, just with a small change, apostolos. And this term for apostle literally translates to a delegate, a messenger, an ambassador of the gospel, one sent forth with orders. And when it says an ambassador, I even discovered in this book I was reading today that what kings would do is they would use ambassadors to send. They still do it even today in politics that they would send an ambassador on behalf of their power and authority and their vision, their vote, their word. And they would send an ambassador on behalf of what they stood for. They may send them to another state, another region, another nation, another country. And that ambassador, when he arrived with the authority of the one who sent him, he walked in the same power and presence of that king that had sent him. They looked at this ambassador as if it was the king himself. And that's what we are called to be built upon is the foundation of apostles and prophets. But we're not called just to be built on a foundation to forget about the working of the apostles. No, we are called to do the work of an apostle. Now let me be very clear that not everybody in here may walk and have that resident uh, mantle or anointing being ordained as an apostle. We understand that the Bible talks about different folds or different aspects of, of ministry. You have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But I submit to you tonight that every believer is called and asked and mandated and expected by God that maybe you will not walk in the mantle of an apostle. Maybe that's not your specific office of ministry, but you are called to do the work of an apostle. You may not be called to be the pastor, be a pastor within the fivefold ministry, but every believer is called to do the work of a pastor. Every believer, the work of a pastor is simply to shepherd someone else. Even the Bible speaks and talks about women shepherding the younger ladies. And, and that is the work of a pastor, to shepherd someone else. In Hebrews 13, you find where the Bible says that, that we ought to submit to our elders, our spiritual authorities. In a modern translation, it says spiritual leaders. You ought to submit to your spiritual Leaders, why? Because they watch, they pray, and they will give an account for your life. And so in that regard, everybody in this room, to some degree, is a spiritual leader. I'm not going to get anybody to agree with me, right? I said everybody in this room, to some degree, is a spiritual leader. 
I'm not here to give the details and, and, and to discern who you're leading, but you ought to be leading somebody. That you, you might just have come into this church and you might have just been born again of water and spirit. You might have just been converted and, and baptized in the name of Jesus. But, but as soon as you are born into the kingdom of God, you are now called to lead somebody else to the kingdom of God. So in that regard, you are a spiritual leader. You may not be the pastor or the bishop or the apostle or the prophet of this church, but you are called to do the work. That's why Paul told Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. He might not have been called to be a resident evangelist, but he said do the work of an evangelist. Amen. And so we are called, whether you believe that or not, we are called to do the work of an apostle. He says we are built upon the foundation of apostles and prophets. Everybody say prophets. Amen. I'm going to have you work with me tonight. I don't want to, I, my throat's a little sore, and so I don't want to work alone, okay? The, uh, the Bible tells us that we are built upon the foundation of apostles and prophets. And if you look up this word in the Greek, it, it, it is defined as this. One who moved by the Spirit of God and hence his organ or spokesman solemnly declares to men what he has received by inspiration, especially concerning future events, and in particular such as relate to the cause and kingdom of God and to human salvation. A prophet. Of those filled with the Holy Spirit of God, who by God's authority and command in words of weight pleads the cause of God and urges salvation of men. When you look at the definition, it, it, it really brings to light. Uh, what that really is, because we have this sort of ethereal, gossamer, uh, some sort of mystic definition in our, in our mind of what a prophet is. Somebody who can look at you and tell you, you hadn't flossed your teeth in three weeks. They may be able to do that. There's one of those prophets that goes to Brother Jennings' church. He used to call me all the time, and Brother, Brother Wade, he called me, he would call me, and a lot of times I wouldn't answer. Because I think, man, I need to be prayed up before I answer this phone from this guy because he can tell me everything. And there was one time he called me, and he was in tears. And he said, Chris, he said, I, I'm just so discouraged. I said, why? He said, I want to do what you do. I said, do what I do. What are you talking about, man? I said, you can, I mean, you know, you know, you can sit in a restaurant and, and read people's mail. That, that kind of stuff is cool. You know, you, you, you know what color underwear people's wearing and stuff like that, man. You know this weird stuff. You're way out there, you know. I, I want to know that kind of stuff. He's like, no, I want to do what you do. He said, I may be able to read somebody's mail, but I can't pray anybody through to the Holy Ghost. I said, man, what are you talking about? And we think that people like that, Brother Wade, and he is a prophet of God, but we think that's the only type of prophet there is. The, the person that can read your mail and tell you uh, exactly what you've done and, and, and the dreams you've had and the places you've gone and the words you've spoken, while that may be a prophet, according to the definition, a, a prophet is somebody who has been filled with the Holy Spirit and moved by the Holy Spirit. Is that anybody in this room? Filled with the Holy Ghost? You're not moved by the Holy Ghost tonight. 
You're filled with the Holy Ghost, but are you moved by the Holy Ghost? Amen. You're filled with the Holy Ghost and moved by the Holy Ghost. To do what? To use your spokesman, your tongue, your organ, uh, to solemnly declare to men uh, what you have received by inspiration of the Holy Ghost. A prophet is somebody filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, moved by the Holy Ghost, uh, to speak under God's authority and command uh, with words of weight, uh, pleading the cause of God, uh, urging salvation for humanity. We need prophets to rise up in this church uh, and be filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, moved by the Holy Ghost, uh, operate uh, by the authority of the Holy Ghost. Uh, we need the prophetic uh, to rise up in this congregation uh, and say, I will plead the salvation of humanity. Amen. I'm preaching to somebody here. I'm preaching to everybody. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. I'm talking to the children. I'm talking to the old people. I'm talking to the middle-aged. I'm talking to everybody in between. Every man, every woman, every child ought to do the work upon the foundation that you've been built on of apostles and prophets. We need apostolic alignment upon this foundation that we have been built upon. We cannot lose sight of this gifting that we have been so, so blessed for God to put in the very fabric and soil of our foundation that we are built upon. The word alignment is a position of agreement or alliance. Alignment, a position of agreement or alliance. Let me start by, I'm going to start preaching now, okay? Let me tell you, number one, we need to understand that this is for whosoever will. But once you accept that God given, I mean, this fact that it's for anybody, it's not just for men. It's not just for the rich. It's not just for the anointed. It's not just for those who are fifth generation Pentecostal. It is for anybody. It's for anybody. I remember uh, preaching in Michigan years ago. And, and I remember on that Sunday morning, a young lady coming up. She was about 21, 22, coming up to the... As far as she would go, she didn't come all the way up to the altar. You know how sometimes people do that because, man, we're, we're kind of crazy. And she was a little nervous to come all the way up to the altar. So she came up to the front pew. She stood right there. And you could tell she's just been through a lot. You, she kind of looked like this might be her first time in church, you know. And I walked up to her and I, I said, what, what, what do you want God to do? And she gave me the whole list of things that she had been through. And I was like, oh, TMI, you know, I'm not the pastor. I don't need to know all that stuff. I, I don't need to know all these details. And she's telling me everything. And she said, I've tried drugs. I've tried alcohol. I've tried different, different things. And she said, I've tried homosexuality and this and that. I mean, she went down the whole list with details. And, and she said, nothing's worked. But she said, you said you preached something about a ghost. And when 
when you said that ghost word, what was it? I said, Holy Ghost. She said, yeah, the Holy Ghost. She said, when you said Holy Ghost, something rose up in me and said, that's the thing that's going to cure me. That's the thing that's going to change my life. She said, she said, I want that Holy Ghost. I said, well, it's the Spirit of God, and you're going to receive it. And she said, no, I can't receive it. But there's no way God could fill me with the Holy Ghost after everything I've done. I said, look, are you lost? She said, I'm lost. I said, you're exactly who God is looking for. Jesus said, I came to save that which is lost. He didn't say how lost you could or could not be. If you're lost, he's looking for you. And I said, if you'll just lift up your hands and submit your life to God, he will fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. It wasn't but a few moments later she was speaking in tongues. We baptized her in the only saving name of Jesus Christ. But here's where it messed up everybody's business. On that Sunday night, on that Sunday night service, just five hours later, the whole, I mean, five, six, seven hundred people in this church. Uh, the whole thing comes to a screeching halt when God gives tongues and interpretation. And when God spoke in that interpretation, he called her out by name and said, I filled you with my spirit. I called you out of darkness and brought you into my light. But now you must go and tell those who are still living that life of darkness, you must go and let them hear your voice or else they will never hear my voice. In fact, Brother Jennings, that happened at your church. I preached for Brother White many years ago. And on that Sunday morning, I remember it was like the head drug dealer of the whole city came. Man, their church is crazy. They, they like do backflips and stuff. I was preaching on Sunday morning, and got, one guy jumped out of his pew and started running full speed at me like this. I thought, Jesus' name, we got a sniper in the house or something. I thought he was going to attack me. He jumps up on the platform, did a backflip off the platform, and was just, Wah! I thought, oh, hallelujah. But one guy that morning got filled with the Holy Ghost. The head drug dealer of that city got filled with the Holy Ghost. And on that Sunday night, there was tongues and interpretation too. And God used that former drug dealer to give the interpretation. He didn't even know what speaking in tongues was about until that Sunday morning. And I remember the whole place just went silent. The whole place just shut down when God used that former drug dealer crackhead to give the interpretation. Bishop White had to go up to the pulpit and rebuke the whole church and say God God rebukes all of your spirit of pride you didn't receive the word of God because it came from a vessel that you thought was still dirty but God filled him with the Holy Ghost and baptized him in Jesus name I wish I could get a believer to agree with me tonight uh, that this is for whosoever will did the spirit of prophecy not speak through Joel and say that in the last days I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh and who's going to prophesy? Your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. Your old men are going to dream dreams. Your young men are going to see visions and upon the handmaidens and the servants I'm going to pour out my spirit.
So, I'm not done preaching. I got three more hours to go, but we're going to stop and pray throughout this time together tonight. This ain't a sermon. We're going to have a prayer service. I want us to pause for a few minutes and lift up our hands and say, God, if this is for whosoever will, then let me be whosoever. Let me be the one. God, feel me. God, use me. I want you to pray right now, God, I, I, in the name of Jesus, I repent of my inhibition, of my pride, of my insecurity, of my fear. Let me receive your word that said, whosoever. God, I will. I desire. I want it. I'm hungry for it. I'm thirsty for it. I want it. This is how we got to pray. You may be seated in the NLT. Look at this. Look at verse 34. You got that in the NLT? He says, whosoever will. If any, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must. Everybody say, give up. <laughs> that wasn't everybody. Everybody say, give up. In the NLT, he said, if you want to follow me, you must give up. Give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. Everybody say, give up. That's the opposite of what the world tells us to do. Levi, sit down and turn around. Sorry. That's the opposite of what the world tells us to do, isn't it? The world tells us don't give up, right? Now, listen to me, dads. Don't, don't, don't teach your sons, you know, if you're wrestling with your boy. Don't, don't teach him you need to give up. Obviously, your son needs to be strong. Hey, don't give up, all right? If they're studying for a math test and they can't seem to get it right, that's when you teach them don't give up. But in God's kingdom, he said, if you want victory, you got to give up. God said in my kingdom that white flag of surrender is actually the white flag of victory <laughs> you have to give up your ways and that's why it's so difficult for us to, to be in alignment with apostolic anointing and authority because we are ingrained from the time we are born to not give up amen I know I'm preaching to some, I, I've traveled all over South Dakota, and I met all the spirit of narcissism throughout South Dakota. And we all think, you know, hey, man, I, I stick it out in South Dakota. I, I know about the spirit of South Dakota things. Man, we, we really stick it out because it's colder. I know this is the only month of the year you don't have snow. I know it's a tough place to live. That's why I told Bishop, I said, I won't come unless it's in the summer. <laughs> But I know, I know that, that, that carnal spirit that, 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 is, that resides in this, in this region, that we almost take, a, we take pride in the fact that I live in South Dakota. Bless God. I shovel my driveway eight times a day. 
you're taught not to give up, right? Yeah, everybody in South Dakota seems to have thick flesh. I'm not talking about your fat. I'm talking about you got this, you got this callous skin, this calloused heart, this callous mind, because you're taught we got to be hard-nosed. You got to be strong-willed. You got to have a stubborn spirit. You can't give up. Well, that's why it's difficult in this area for apostolic anointing to flow. But Jesus Church is breaking down that wall and that barrier, and we're teaching that if you want to be in a alignment with God you've got to give up so let's just take 30 seconds and let's pray a prayer of defeat God I'm defeated I give up Lord I'm not going to try to win anymore you win you're on the throne you're sovereign I give up you win show me your way show me your plan show me your word I give up Come on, just one time. Everybody shout those words. I give up. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. If we're going to have apostolic alignment, we must have real humility. And I, I, I'm, not the, I'm not the authority on humility. Nobody's ever looked at me and said, man, you're just so humble. But I'm trying. I'm working on it. Amen. The first gift your bishop ever gave me was a book called Ego is the Problem or something like that. I haven't read it yet. Is that what it's called? Ego is the Problem? I looked at the title. I said, yeah, I'll read that when I feel ready. (laughs) When I want to. Still collecting dust on my shelf. Or Ego is the Enemy or something. There you go. Man, thank you for that gift, Bishop. Wow. We're working, some of you are familiar with the late prophet, Brother Eli Hernandez, and, and uh, I know this church probably is familiar with his ministry, maybe you've read his books, and, and our church has been working through his, his book that he didn't write, he was teaching in Las Vegas a, a four-lesson uh, series on maintaining divine operation, he was teaching these concepts and truths to uh, youth group, and it was his vision, in fact, to teach this uh, this lesson, these four lessons, all over the world. And he tragically died in 2020, and and so his family and others they they transcribed this these lessons into a book, and now it has gone all over the world. Praise God! And so I've got a few of these things from his book, and and it's really impacting our church. And uh, I love our church. They sometimes watch live stream. And for you future pastors, don't say anything negative about your church when you're preaching somewhere else on live stream. Because they will watch and hear. And then they won't pay their tithes. And um, I've said some negative things from other, other churches' pulpits about my church to get home and realize they were watching. I said, oh, help me, Jesus. Amen. But I told him, hey, it wasn't anything I didn't say to your face, you know, so at least give me that. But it wasn't anything I didn't say from my own pulpit, you know. Amen. But I love our church. We basically, in short, we, 
We inherited a daughter work of 10 people. The average age was 73. And uh, so for youth night, we play bingo and have a good time. And uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. United Church. And uh, they're amazing. But, but I inherited these 10 elders, and they're phenomenal. They, they, they've been in Pentecost their whole lives, you know. And, and what I've actually realized at first, being 35 years old, I'm thinking, man, you know, how a 35 and a 75 year, how are we going to work together? And how are we going to have this unity? And I mean, you know, our, our concepts are completely different. Philosophies are completely different. And then I learned to love them. I learned to, to realize the blessing of, of, of their voice and their stability that they bring to our church. Because I've got other friends that have planted churches that they don't have anybody over the age of 30 or 40, you know. And, and they may have lots of dancing and shouting going on, but, it, but there's like no boundaries. There's no control. It's just a bunch of chaos. It's a circus, you know. So I'm so thankful for that uh, stability and that voice of the elders that, that I inherited. So I took these 10 elders and we planted a new church, a North American Missions work. And, and we started a new church with them. And... And um, it's been an amazing journey so far, and uh, um, I won't tell you my definition of amazing, but but uh, it's 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 got both ups and downs. And um, but I've got I feel like I, so it's been over eleven. It's just over eleven months now that I began pastoring there, and I feel like I have more stories to tell in the last eleven months of pastoring than I do of ten years of evangelizing. But. But the Lord has dealt with me, and, and we, we had some animosity, and we had some strife. I just talked about it again on Sunday at our last service. We had some tension uh, because, I mean, you think a 40-year gap, you know, from the pastor to the saints that we started with. And, and I, I, I mean, I was ready to just to drop a grenade and say, you know, peace out. Like, go somewhere else, or I'll go somewhere else. And the Lord dealt with me and said, no, they're actually your greatest gift because they're going to humble you. And if you can learn to unify with them then you can unify with anybody. It's easy to unify with yes men or yes women. It's easy to unify with people that idolize you and revere you and respect you. And it's easy to it's easy to unify with my son because he ain't got a choice but to be unified. Amen. But but it's difficult to unify with something that's got a different idea than you. This is where humility plays a, a big factor. And trust me, again, I'm not calling myself humble. That would kind of be an oxymoron, but even though Moses did it, but but I did come home in like week two, and I was ready to just kick everybody out of the church or kick myself out of the church. And the Lord said, no, you're going to humble yourself, and you're going to wash their feet. I'm thinking, wash their feet? They need to wash my feet. You know? And God said, no, you're going to wash their feet, and you're going to humble yourself. And so we did this together, and don't worry, we don't have any buckets of water here tonight, as far as I know, unless whatever. But I don't have any plans to do that tonight, and uh, don't run off and get a pedicure real quick. We ain't washing feet tonight, but... But something changed and something began to break in the atmosphere of our church. And, and, and we've prayed through this book of Brother Hernandez, Maintaining Divine Operation. And, and uh, we, 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 I, I'm not here to submit to you that just because we went through some of these concepts, all of a sudden we, we, we don't have any more problems or anything. 
But I can say that we've been progressing and we've been, we've been seeing the demonstration of the Spirit of God. And we've been seeing a unity in our, in our, our culture and in our church. And I'm thankful for that. C.S. Lewis is the one who said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. And we have a false sense of humility. We think, well, I, you know, we think humility is saying, well, I, I can't do that. You know, there's no way I could, I could pray for that person. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not good enough to, that's actually pride. I, I told that to a man of God one time because he, 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 God was asking him, we were at a crusade and God was asking this man of God one time. He was, if I said his name, a lot of y'all would know, which is why I won't say his name. But God was asking this specific man of God to speak that final night of this crusade and do, and, and harvest and speak the word of faith and he, was, he is genuinely the most, one of the most humble men I've ever met. And he said, no, no, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I want everybody else to do it, everybody else to do it. And I told him, I said, hey, God wants you to do it. And if you think it's humility that is keeping you from doing it, it's not humility anymore. It's pride. If there's anything that's keeping you out of the will of God, it's, it's not something good. It's not humility Amen. Because humility always produces something good or something godly. And if you say, oh, no, I can't. No, no, not me. No, I can't. That's thinking less of, of yourself. Instead, we need to be thinking of ourself less. Amen. We need to be humbled. And we know that if we don't humble ourselves, God will help us. And that's called humiliation. I don't want God to humiliate me. I want to humble myself. Submission is linked to humility. Submission is linked to humbling yourself. And, I, and I, I could preach a whole sermon on this. And this has been on my spirit recently. This concept of submission. Especially when I began to pray for Jesus Church. And what God would have me say on Wednesday night. This, this concept, this truth of submission just kept coming back to me over and over. And I won't spend much time here. But, but please pay attention for just a moment for this this, this, this concept of submission. It is very much linked to our humility. Submission. Now, this is what I always thought, and it's been taught to me, and it's not wrong. It's just not the complete understanding of submission. Submission is not just obeying when you disagree. You ever heard that? You know you're submitted when you disagree, but you do it anyways, right? That, that is a part of submission, but that's the very introductory level of submission. When you say, well, I don't agree with you, but bless God, I guess I'll do it anyways. That's just the very surface level of submission. True Holy Ghost submission is not just obeying when you disagree. It's losing your opinion altogether. No aisle runners right there. Because this is not a democracy. <laughs> God is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I don't have an opinion in, in his sovereignty. When God says, I, I want you to do this, I now have to listen for him to say how to do this. When God says, I want you to be holy, I don't just say, okay, God, I'll go figure out how to be holy. No, I now have to say, okay, God, tell me how to be holy. Bishop always says, carnality hates clarity. You've heard him say that? I've heard him say that. Carnality hates clarity. 
God is the deity of the details. We think God don't care about the details. Oh, God very much cares about the details. Amen. And so submission is not just saying, well, God, I don't agree with that. But I guess you're God, and I don't want to go to hell, so I'll do it anyways. That may be the very first step of submission. But true submission to your pastor, to your leadership, and to God himself is saying, hey, you're the man of God. You're the shepherd. Lord, you're sovereign. I don't even have an opinion here. You just tell me what's right and where to go, and I say, amen. His promises are yea and Amen. Amen. So submission is about losing your opinion. Humility, here it is, is about losing your identity. Amen. Humility is about losing who you are in order for God to reveal who he is in us. Did Paul not say that that? God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think according or depending or determined by the power that works in us. I'm really convinced that that power has everything to do with us blending in with him. Ah, Y'all didn't get it. Okay. I'm convinced that the power that worketh in us, there's probably several factors there. The Holy Spirit, our faith, our unity. But all of that is in vain if we don't humble ourselves. For God even said, through God even said in 2 Chronicles, if my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray. We think our power is all up in prayer. But a lot of us pray without humbling ourselves. Y'all never heard me preach like a pastor before. I thought he was going to preach Acts 2.38. Well, get Acts 2.38 and you go to hell because you're not humbled. You can get Acts 2.38 all you want, but not humble yourself before God and wake up in a lake of fire and say, what happened? And God say, you did not humble yourself. So you introduced yourself to me, but I never knew you. So depart from me, you workers of iniquity. You've got iniquity because you lack humility. Woo. Woo. Hallelujah. I'm not mad at nobody. I'm just preaching what the Holy Ghost wants me to talk about tonight. And so we're going to pray about this here in, a, in just a second. So sometimes here, here, here's what we need to ask ourselves, okay? I'm, I'm going to rub the flesh right in the wrong direction tonight. And then we're going to have a party at Great Hyphens Conference, okay? So this is what we need to ask ourselves. Would you rather be right or would you rather be righteous? My wife and I, uh, well, let me say this before I get into that. You see, humility is so powerful because it squashes the very spirit of pride. Pride is so dangerous. Arrogance is really not a problem to deal with because arrogance can't hide. Arrogance always has a voice. Arrogance is always loud and gives its opinion. But pride is so dangerous because it's deceptive. Pride, pride. You, you can be quiet and still be prideful. You can keep your mouth closed, but in your spirit you are full of pride. 
That's why it's so dangerous. Arrogance always has a voice. Pride doesn't always have a voice. Pride can hide in stubbornness. You can be quiet and seem nice, but still be as proud as they come. This is why we have to exercise a daily process to create an entire foundation. Watch this now. I wrote this down for this church tonight. This is why we have to have a daily process to create a foundation where God can feel at liberty to pour stuff into us at any time he wants, knowing that what he pours into us will actually have the potential to grow. Why? Because nothing that God... God gives from heaven can possibly be able to grow in a in soil that is contaminated with pride or arrogance. The soil has to be pure, fertile, and maintained. The soil, you see, the soil is, is what we can't see. We see the fruit, we see the stuff on the outside. God said, I need your soil to be pure and fertile. Why? Because at any point, maybe at 2.30 tomorrow afternoon, you're going to be at the grocery store, and I want to drop a seed. I want to drop an anointing. I want to pour out a little bit of oil so you can minister to somebody. Or you're going to get a phone call today that, that a loved one got in a wreck, and I, I, want to, I want to find soil that I can pour my grace into so that it'll be sufficient for this time of distress and calamity. But if my soil is contaminated with my pride and carnality, in my weakness of my flesh God is not going to give his pearls to swine he's not going to drop that seed in a place that would return unto him void he said my word will accomplish what I please wherever it goes it will accomplish what gives me pleasure my word will not return unto me void amen I believe the Lord, and I feel the Holy Ghost so strong. I believe the Holy Ghost is looking for fertile soil, pure So I'm not talking about people that, that's never made a mistake. My God, we all make mistakes. I'm talking about a people that has a process of daily repentance and daily humble, humbling our flesh that starts the day, not waiting until we fall into sin, no, but starts the day with a prayer that says, My Father that art in heaven, hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth in Watertown in my home in my spirit as it is in heaven let my soil be fertile let my foundation be pure God let Lord, I want my soil to be ready for any seed that you want to plant in my spirit. Look at this for a moment. We're not going to go much longer, I promise. I'm watching the clock, but I'm following the Holy Ghost. Look at this. We, 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 we got to examine this for just a second. Watch. Just a little bit deeper. I got 88 more pages to go, and I'm only going to go one more. In Philippians 2 and 6 in the NLT, it says, Though he was God, considering Jesus, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position. See, that's alignment. He took the humble position of a slave. We said, I don't, I don't want to be a lion. 
He, he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, that submission, and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him a name above all other names. Now, I know Jesus is God, but he was also fully flesh. And so he was our representative of how we operate in the flesh, in humanity. So there was a relationship between Jesus as the man and God as the father and he humbled himself he became a position aligned with this process of humility submission and obedience to the point of death he first said I'll be a slave and then he died and then when he died it said God elevated him the spirit of our age is figure out the best way to elevate yourself I saw somebody, they asked AI, chat GPT. Y'all don't know anything? That, that probably hadn't come to South Dakota yet. Y'all know about that? AI, apostolic intelligence. <laughs> they asked AI, I need to make a million dollars. What do I need to do? What's the fastest way? And it talked about, well, you need to go get a uh, chat GPT, the AI thing. It said, well, you need to get a, a social media presence, a YouTube presence, and get followers and be an influencer. That, that's the quickest way to get money. That's the quickest way, whatever, whatever. That, that's the concept of our hour is that it's the easy way to get money and to pay the bills and, and to have riches and royalties and luxuries and and God said, give up. God said, look, watch, watch my example. I'm going to be obedient to the point of humility, submission, and being a slave to where I will die a gruesome death. And I'm not going to elevate myself. It said, and God elevated him and gave him a name. You don't have to build your name if you'll build your character. You don't have to build your reputation if you'll build your character in humility and submission. When you humble yourself and you submit yourself, God says, ah, now I can lift you up. Now I can exalt you and elevate you, and I will give you a name. Watch Colossians 3.12. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. How many of you believe God chose you? He chose you to be the holy people he loves. You must clothe yourself. I'm all about, I'm all about dress codes. But this is the best dress code you get right here. He said clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. When you think, I need to be modest, you need to think, I need to put on the clothes of humility and submission and gentleness and patience. Look at James 4 and 6. But God giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resists the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hearts, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Can I just give you one little pastoral exercise? When we read words like this, whether it's in your own private devotion time or somebody's preaching it to you, the best thing for you to do, the easiest way for you to get elevated in the class is for you to say, that word's for me. You see, when you read words like where it says, uh, he says, draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Immediately I think, yeah, my, my wife needs to do that. <laughs> yeah, my kids need to do that. <laughs> yeah, so is. 
The best way for you to get exalted in the kingdom is for you to say, that's me. That, how did he know? Woo, how do you know I need to wash my hands? How do you know I'm a sinner? Yeah, I'm a sinner. And purify your hearts. You man, I am a double-minded person. I'm not talking about to walk around like with this, like I said, this, this false sense of humility, but with a sense of reality. With a sense of reality. I read this old thing from, I forget who the philosopher was, from, from, from hundreds or even thousands of years ago. He said, the moment you begin to argue with reality, he said, welcome to hell. We don't need to argue with reality. We need to accept reality. I'm a sinner. I need to wash my hands. I've got uncleanliness in my heart. I'm double-minded. He said, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up quickly. First Peter 5 and verse 5. He says, in the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you, dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another for for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. Here it is. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. At the right time, he will lift you up in honor. You see, what's happening and what I felt the Lord bring this to my spirit is, is that there's people that, that will humble themselves. They're, they're trying to be godly. They're trying to be holy, righteous, Christian, whatever. They humble themselves. And they're kind of sitting there looking at the clock like, all right, come on. How much longer I got to be humble? Come on, how, how much longer I got to keep my mouth shut? <laughs> how much longer? How much longer until pastor asks me to preach? How much longer until I get my chance? Come on. And what people do is they, they, they expect to be exalted in their time. And it says at the right time. Let me just say what the right time is. It's God's time. At the right time, it says, he will lift you up in honor. I remember going overseas, and I'll be careful with details, but, but I remember going overseas like 12 years ago, 11 or 12 years ago. Uh, this was before I was married and uh, traveled for several months uh, evangelizing overseas. And, uh, and I remember that there was, a, there was a young man there who was seeking to be a missionary. And, and uh, actually today, just to give you the good news, he's a missionary today. And he's doing a great job. But at this time, he was dumb and immature, just like all of us at one point. He picks me up from the airport, and I just knew. He, immediately when he picked me up from the airport, I was like, man, there's some hostility from this guy. <laughs> like, I just flew across seas, you know. I mean, a handshake or, you know, something. You know, you don't have to sing me a song or nothing, but just... Hey, how you doing? And it was like, okay, over here, yeah, uh, you know. And he's like being super cold with me and distant with me. And the whole time I was there at that, in that city for, I was there, I started my, that trip for like three weeks in that city. And I mean, every time I, I, I corresponded with him, I talked to him, we worked together, whatever. I mean, it was just always just bitter towards me, resentful towards me. And I, I, I don't even know what the problem was, you know. And, um. After getting there, like the second day that I was there, the, the, um, the superintendent of that, that region asked me, and this is like right after I started preaching. In fact, if I remember correctly, it was in the first year of my ministry, so it was 12 years ago. And I, I, didn't, I didn't know what I was doing in the pulpit. Barely know what I'm doing today, but really didn't know what I was doing then. And he asked me, they were having a general conference in that region. He asked me to preach the general conference. And I'm thinking, oh, God, I, I don't know how to preach anything. And you want to preach this general conference, you know. 
And I said, sure, you know, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. Uh, another preacher had gotten sick, and so I was filling in for him. I stayed up all night. I, I prayed all night. I, st- I read the whole Bible three times. I'm like, give me a sermon, God, you know. And I preached that general conference and didn't do a great job or nothing. In fact, I got rebuked because I didn't give an altar call. I was so nervous, I forgot about the altar call. You can't be Pentecostal and not give an altar call. And I didn't give an altar call, but after that general conference, man, this, this other young man I had referenced, we'll just call him... Is there a Sam here? No Sams? We'll just call him Sam, okay? We'll just call him Sam, all right? And Sam, Sam was so bitter towards me that I got to preach to a conference. And then, and then, so we were working around the church together after the conference, cleaning things up, and I remember he was scrubbing the baptistry. And he's a, he's a missionary in training, and he's scrubbing the baptistry. They had emptied it out. And I'm over here straightening up chairs or something. And he's like, Brother Green, I'm just so mad. I said, what's wrong, man? He said, I'm a preacher, and I'm not getting a chance to preach. I said, well, walk outside. There's a million sinners right there. Go preach. He said, no, I need an audience who will preach with me. I'm a preacher. I said, go outside and preach if you got to preach. And I realized what his problem was. He wasn't getting the opportunities. He wasn't getting lifted up when he thought he should be lifted up. He wasn't getting the opportunity when he thought he should be getting the opportunity. Man, it was rough for those three weeks that I was there. And, and uh, I mean, at one point, we had to, we had to go stay in this, this hotel room. And it was, it was in a place where, like, they were really bad hotel rooms. They were hostels, and they had bunk beds. And he said, I got top bunk. I said, what? Top bunk? What are we, 10? You know, like, top bunk? I said, and, and just because I, I was immature too, I was trying to, you know, be the thorn in his flesh. I said, no, I got top bunk. <laughs> just because I knew it would make him mad. He said, Brother Green, I'm superior to you because I've been here longer than you. I'm like, what? You're superior to me because you've been here longer? Who cares, man? Sleep in the top bunk. These beds are full of bugs anyways, man. Who cares, you know? And it was just on and on and on. Finally, we we go to teach a Bible study. And the missionary, the superintendent, the missionary there, he had given us this curriculum, you know, that we were teaching. I can't remember what Bible study it was. He said, go to this apartment. There may be five people there. There could be 20 people there. I have no idea. He said, but go to this apartment at this day, this time, teach this Bible study. Well, this missionary in training had been doing this Bible study for weeks, long before I got there. But since I was the guest, they gave me the opportunity to teach the Bible study. So on the way to the Bible study, Sam, he says, Now, Brother Green, I don't want none of your shenanigans tonight. I said, what shenanigans? What are you talking about? I I want you to stick to the script. All I want you to do is read the curriculum, and we'll get out of there. I said, okay. Well, we we got to the Bible study, and there was like, I think like 18 people there. And most of them had never heard the truth, had never been filled with the Holy Ghost. And we're sitting there, and I'm starting to read the Bible study. And next thing you know, the Holy Ghost starts moving. And I'm like, oh, man, I can't stick to the script when the Holy Ghost starts moving, you know. And the Holy Ghost starts moving. (laughs) So I close the book, and I put it over here, and I just start saying, I just start preaching the Holy Ghost. 
Within the next 30 minutes, we had like 12 people receive the Holy Ghost. I mean, they're literally, the apartment was, I don't know, the apartment was like teeny tiny. We're, people are sitting up on high chairs, low chairs, just trying to fit in there. People are laid on the floor just speaking in tongues. And I'm just like, wow, you know. We leave that apartment, I'm just like, woo! That was awesome! Waiting for a pat on the back or something. We get in the van. He's in the driver's seat. He says, Brother Green, what did I tell you? I was like, oh, boy. I said, stick to the script. And I just let him do it. I just let him have his, his time of stupidity. He said, I told you to stick to the script. You weren't supposed to get off the curriculum. He said, why do you always have to have some big move of God? I said, what? He said, you think you always have to have some big move of God, don't you? I was like, sure, whatever, you know. And I'm just letting them yap, 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 yap. We get back to the apartment where we were staying. And I was staying upstairs. He was staying downstairs. And he's still yapping as we're walking through the door. And I'm going up the steps. And I hear him say, now, listen, this church had been around for like 50 years that we were working in. And he had been there for like a year and, and he's a missionary in training. And as I'm walking up the steps, she says, From this night forward, you will do what I say, or you will go home because this is my church. That's when I had had enough. I turn around and I come down the steps and I walk right up to him. And I laid my hand on his head and I said, by the authority of the word of God, I rebuke the spirit of pride that is in you. I said, Satan, come out of him right now. (laughs) And when I took my hand off his head, he was just like this. He was stunned. And I was kind of proud of myself, too. I was like, that was cool. And I go back up the steps. He didn't say a word. I go up the steps, and I go to bed. And I'm like, oh, my word, that was crazy. The next morning at 7 a.m., I get a knock on the door. And it was Sam in a suit and tie. And he said, Brother Green, I just need to apologize. I'm so sorry. I, you know, I just insecure and then blah, 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 blah. I said, okay, I forgive you. you know. Well, the problem was is it was a pattern. He would apologize and then relapse and apologize and relapse and repent and relapse and repent and relapse. And he would grovel at the minister's feet and say, I'm sorry, I was prideful. So they gave him a stint of time to prove his humility. But they didn't tell him how long it was going to be. And I'll never forget. He had done good for like a couple of months. He stayed on the straight and narrow for a couple of months. After I I got that devil out of him. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. He stayed on the straight and narrow for a couple of months. And the superintendent of that region and the regional director of all those nations had come together and said, okay, if he stays on the straight and narrow through this week, we're going to give him a church in this city because there's a church that needs a pastor. And they had been sending people every week for for a couple of years. And they said, we're going to put him as pastor over that church. He's done so good. He's ready. But when he finishes this week, we're going to give him that church. It was Sunday night, the last night he had to prove himself. And he ruined the whole thing. He sent an email to the missionary. 
And he said, brother so-and-so, I've lived in your shadow for long enough. I have served you for long enough. I've scrubbed baptistries for long enough. I've picked up preachers from the airport for long enough. It's time for me to spread my wings and get out from your shadow. And it's time for me to see what God really has in store for me. And little did he know that less than 12 hours later, they were going to hand him a church that he was going to be the pastor of. But his spirit ruined the whole thing his lack of humility and submission ruined the whole thing he showed his true colors and ruined the whole thing because he thought I've been humble long enough I'm ready to be exalted let me tell you something that's the spirit of Satan that consumed that Lucifer that angel that said I've been your covering long enough now I want to be over you I want to be superior to you and Jesus said I beheld Satan fall like lightning from heaven because he was not submitted Uh, what I feel to prophesy in this session tonight is this is there are some of you in this room that you have humbled yourself you have submitted yourself but your flesh is beginning to speak and say it's been long enough your flesh is beginning to torment your mind the spirit of deception is beginning to twist your thoughts saying it's been long enough I've been humble long enough I've been submitted long enough I've served long enough it's my turn to be in the spotlight but I come to you in the love of God and say don't listen to that voice give up your ways deny yourself stay on the cross stay crucified Sunday and God is going to elevate you at the right time at the right place in the right spirit with a great and mighty anointing that destroys yokes of bondage Why don't you lift up your hands and lift up your voice and say, God, you have sent your voice. You have sent your word. Now I choose to listen. I choose to respond. I choose to repent. I choose to humble myself and pray and turn from my wicked ways. I choose God to clothe myself in humility and submission. I lose my opinion. I abandon my identity. I want your voice to be sovereign in my life. And God, you've given me leaders. You've given me a pastor. You've given me a bishop. Lord, you put spiritual leaders in my life who convey the very voice of your will in my life. I submit to you, God.